It is Friday, August 10th, 2018, and you know what that means if you are very in tune with the NFL schedule. Uh, August 9th was the Seahawks' first game against the Indianapolis Colts uh, in the preseason for 2018. So that means that if it's Friday, August 10th, 2018, at 3000 NFL Mock Draft, we're talking about the Seahawks-Colts preseason game. We waited off on the podcast until Friday this week instead of Thursday, Wednesday, uh, so that we could talk about the game and the Seahawks play the Colts at home. Uh, they lose that game 1917, um, but still plenty of positive takeaways from the game uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. I'm Kenneth Arthur. With me, as always, is Rob Staten, and we're going to get right into it. Rob, you know, there was a lot to watch for last night. Uh, young players, old players, how they would fit. You know, obviously in a preseason game, especially the first preseason game, uh, you're only going to get so much of the first team. And for the Seattle Seahawks, that was one drive on offense, uh, maybe a little bit more on defense, uh, but pretty much just the one drive. And if we're going to focus on the offense, you know, Russell Wilson looked really good, uh, as, you know, would be expected against the Indianapolis Colts anyway, but he especially looked good in the preseason, even without Doug Baldwin back there. Um, but everyone was really pretty much focused on the running back competition and how things would work. And it's really not a competition, I don't even think, um, but how things would work between Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. Um, so, Rob, in the first game here, that we get to see with pads on against a, another team. Uh, what were your thoughts, early thoughts here on Carson and Penny? Well, before I answer that, Kenny, can I just say, I'm going to go off, uh, off track a little bit here and just say one thing. I think that um, the reaction to last night's games on the internet has been appalling. And I think that people need to stop overanalyzing preseason game one. The number of tweets that I've seen saying so and so was having a you know was bad, so and so was good. You know, talking about the rookies specifically, I saw one post that someone had put together. I can't remember which website it was for, but it was a list of it said good, bad, injured. So the good list was about four names. The bad list was about twenty names, and then there was an, an, a, a group with like Darius Geis in it. It was the injured group. I mean, we're talking about rookies who have, have maybe played a quarter, maybe a couple of quarters in their first preseason game. It's the first time they've played NFL. Can we not give these guys an opportunity to, to learn their, you know, taking the next level and just fit into the league before we start saying whether they're good or bad and, oh, oh this snap, you know, the stuff about Rashad Penny in the last couple of days, people saying, you know, I read, read a couple of things saying, oh, how does he fit in? And Carson's, you know, for God's sake, just give these guys an opportunity to actually do something in a proper game before we start overanalyzing and say, I'm not going to say anybody had a bad game who was a rookie in that. You know, this is this is a learning curve for these guys. And I think, that, you know, the internet has a, and social media has a lot to answer for in the world generally. And I think the way that people are, are treating these rookies is an absolute joke. So just stop. Just If you're going to write a negative post about a rookie in his first preseason game, you, you need to give your head a shake. That's well, the first I, I thing. Will, uh... You know, since we, you know, when we can get back to specifically Carson and Penny, you know, I'll just interject just to throw my thoughts in there and, you know, of course, completely agree. And just also say, like, there was stuff being said about uh, Rashad Penny or Chris Carson or whoever, whoever. There was stuff being said about guys before there had even been a preseason game. And there were talk about, like, I mean, there's been talk all summer of and especially with how you know, all the stuff about whether or not Chris Carson, you know, why did the Seahawks use a first round pick on a running back uh, if Chris Carson's going to be the starter and all this kind of stuff? And, you know, because, well, first of all, because teams are using multiple running backs, just like you don't have one wide receiver that's your starter and the other ones don't matter. Now, teams are using multiple running backs. 
And I've gone on and on about my thoughts on not using first round picks on running backs, but the Seahawks did it. And so, you know, just looking at it objectively, you can still say that Rashad Penny, for what their purposes of drafting him were, uh, has not been a waste. This is exactly what's happened so that they could have several options. Um, and yeah, and, and there was in terms of like guys were tracking, you know, throw, someone throwing an interception in practice and stuff like that and talking about all that kind of stuff. Where you know quarterbacks are being asked to like, well, let's see if you can make this pass. I think that you might it might not work or whatever, or try and see if you can do these things. And if it gets picked, it gets picked. It's just practice. But now people are being judged on it, and you can't be judged on your practices. Um, and preseason games are just glorified practices with another team. So it's certainly not you know it, they're trying things out for sure. You know, and even with the positive things, you know, like Rasheem Green, who had a really nice game and has had a really nice camp. And there's no reason to not say positive things about Rasheem Green, but he's playing against Joe Haig, not Anthony Costanzo. So it's a pretty big difference. And you got to take all of these things into account uh, for sure. And so, like, we can watch Chris Carson and Rashad Penny and say, oh, physically in this game, we saw them have moves and do things that would make you feel positively that they can continue to do those against regular season competition. So uh, if, as far as that goes, Rob, how do you feel about uh, that performance last night? Yeah. I mean, just, just one, you know, final, final point on this. And I will, I promise I will answer the question. I just, you know, I, I when I think back to last year, the, the Seahawks first preseason game, I think was against uh, the, the Los Angeles chargers. And Tedrick Thompson misread a play. It led to a deep throw downfielder over yards after the catch touchdown. It was a huge passing play, which, you know, Thompson definitely made a mistake. I, I still think it's taken Pete Carroll saying that he's been one of the stars of training camp for people to move on from that. I think that that one play stuck in people's mind. All of a sudden, Tedrick Thompson's 40-yard dash time of a 4 6 that was evidence that he wasn't quick enough to play safe, free safety in the NFL. Even though, you know, I, I put the piece on the blog last week's to show that he's he's marginally faster than Keanu Neal and the other safety in Atlanta. I mean, the two starting safeties in Atlanta ran very similar 40 times to Tedrick Thompson, but people were obsessed with this, this 40 time purely because he got burned in the first preseason game of the first off, you know, camp and off season of his NFL career. And people just lingered on that and made a judgment on Tedrick Thompson off that one play. And I'm sick of it. I enjoyed today watching every throw of Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson and seeing all of the things that they have to work on whilst acknowledging how how good they looked as well in terms of their talent. They're all very different. But there was, I think there's reasons to be excited about some of these young quarterbacks coming in. I, mean, I, I bet someone watched Deshaun Watson a year ago and, and, and overanalyzed his performance. Stop overanalyzing rookies in the first week of preseason and don't do it for the rest of preseason. Don't talk about negatives. If you, This is when you want them to do the negative things so they can go and watch the tape back again and learn from it. That's what the, the point of these games is for these young players. So I, just, I saw something about Ronald Jones, people criticizing him for his ability in the passing game. And I've seen you know a lot of analysis about Nick Chubb and Rashad Penny's not special because Chris Carson is and it's stupid stuff like this. Just stop it. Just give them an opportunity for God's sake in the in the league before you start criticizing them. Because they read this stuff. They're on social media, these players. They're all young guys. They're 21 years old. Of course, they're on social media. Right. Stop writing it. Stop getting in their heads. Just give them an opportunity to get into the league before yeah. you start hammering them. I mean, it's just it really irritated me today to be reading that. 
garbage on on Twitter all the time and read these articles. I just don't talk about the negatives. In terms of the positive, very quickly on, on Penny, I thought yeah. Carson looked fantastic. I thought Penny looked good. I think if you look at the stats for Penny, you, you're going to probably misread the situation. I thought the way that he bounced outside on that one play looked really sharp and quick. There was one play where he got a good six yards. There was one play where he lost a load of yards when he was smacked in the backfield and had absolutely no chance of, of breaking anything there. Marshawn Lynch would have been dropped for, for a loss. So I think overall it was a pretty uneventful start for Rashad Penny, but certainly by no means a negative one. And I, and I, I like the look of the two running backs who are going to be leading the way this year. Uh, and, you know, the, as far as the tight end situation, you know, Russell Wilson targeted Nick Vanette, I think, three times on the drive that he was in there with, including the touchdown pass um, and the tight end situation under Brian Schottenheimer. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Ed Dixon when he returns. Obviously, I think the idea would be that he's a starter. And we also don't know, you know, we would need to see Doug Baldwin back in there to you know, have a real fair distribution of how things go on. Um, but it's, this is now the third year for Nick Vanette, and he was a third-round pick. Um, and they've also got Will Disley, who you know a lot of people are high on for his blocking, including last night. Uh, so they've got three tight ends in there, and you know it seems that maybe they could use all three. Um, do you feel more positively about uh, Nick Vanette at this point and the idea that uh, Wilson and Schottenheimer would trust him so much on that first drive? Uh, or, you know, like like with everything else, being a preseason game, just not really being able to take away much from it. Well, I think the positives with Vanette is that I think Pete Carroll mentioned or somebody mentioned recently that he, he'd been suffering with a bit of a, a back issue or something in the last couple of years and that he was finally healthy and that you'd seen a noticeable difference from him as a consequence of that. And they featured him a bit yesterday. And um, I, the thing that I like the look of the most, Kenny, is that there seem to be legitimate signs there. And I know it's preseason and a lot can change when the, the actual stuff starts, but there seems to be a legit... Um, sort of focus on running the ball and then play action and, and the tight ends being involved. You know, for, for a number of years, they've said that they want to be this type of offense and they haven't been. And it really does look as if their commitment to going back to the run and being the type of offense that Pete Carroll has always talked about is definitely there. The featuring the tight ends, play action, running the ball, uh, the, the passing game, connecting with the, the running backs and the running game. It looks as if that's all come into, into play. So I felt that was very positive. Good to see Vanette get a touchdown. Good to see Will Disley involved. Um, and Ed Dixon still got to come back into this swoops. Is there? I'm sure we'll see a bit more of him in preseason as it goes on. Um, so yeah, I think that was a really positive start. The, the starting offense, I think, was a positive across the board. You know, the offensive line, I thought, played very well. Wilson looked sharp. The receivers looked sharp. The tight ends. I think there was a the, it was a decent start against a pretty average Indianapolis defense, and it, it's going to be fun now to see how they they're going to move on and play tougher opponents, and and to see if they can keep this momentum building because I think they are going to have to lean on the offense quite a lot this year. And you know the offense after Russell Wilson not as good. You know trying to run out there with Austin Davis and then Alex McGuff and then. Uh, it uh, didn't go so well, you know, an interception in the end zone. And uh, today the Seahawks are working out quarterback Josh Johnson, according to Ian Rappaport just now. Um, so they're looking at maybe Josh Johnson bringing in Marshawn Lynch's cousin uh, to compete for the backup job. Certainly it just at least signifies that they're not comfortable now with those two guys. And one guy that they're not still talking to apparently is Colin Kaepernick. Um, so what are your thoughts on the uh, options behind Russell Wilson right now? Well, they haven't really had a very good uh, backup quarter. I like Austin Davis. You know, I interviewed him back in the day when he was at Southern Miss. I like him as a guy. Um, I think the fact that he gave the time up that he did, you know, we, I was talking to him for about an hour, but, you know, what was it, 2011? 
Um, so I like him. I like him as a guy. Got to know him a little bit in that hour and and, and like what he's about. So I, I, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that he's going to win this job. I, th- I thought his drive was pretty good. I think the interception was was careless on his behalf. I think that Reynolds' is, is route and that play is, is pretty awful as well. I mean, he doesn't finish the route. He kind of pulls up a little bit and seemed a bit un- unsure of what he was supposed to be doing there. And he's supposed to run into the corner. And I don't think that helped Austin Davis. But at the same time, he, he needs to recognise that and not just throw that ball into into the hands of the defender. So that was a mistake from him. But I think there was, there was the nice play to David Moore, wasn't there, in that, in that drive as well. And, you know, I think that Austin Davis, as a backup who knows Brian Schottenheimer's offence, is, is going to be a useful thing. I just wonder, Kenny, whether this looking at quarterbacks now is because they just think that, Mag- that Magoo's not, he's not going to be in this competition. And whether that means they're going to, you know, just cut him out right and and just think that, no, no, you know, we took a seventh round flyer on the gap, it's not going to be. Or whether they, you know, and bring somebody else to compete with Austin Davis so it's a proper competition so that the the final half of a pre-season game, which is what's going to happen in the fourth game, for example, is not just going to be a a, a, sl- a slow clunking. I mean, the, the the offense completely shut down yesterday. It felt like when Magoo was in there, and there's been pr- this is what it's been ever since Tavares Jackson left the team. You know, you, you get to the second half of a of a of a preseason game, and the Seahawks can never move the ball. And I always kind of feel like because the quarterback is so bad and has been so bad for the last few years in that situation, you never really learn anything about the running backs, the receivers, the tight ends, the defensive line, because you've just got no chance of moving the ball. And I I wonder whether they want someone who can at least, against the third stringers, can actually set up a couple of drives so they can actually learn about other people on the team and whether they're going to move Magoo out and get this guy in so that you know, or somebody else in so that they can maybe just give themselves a chance of, of of keeping some drives going in the second half. I wonder if that's going to be, it might be that they just want some legit competition for Austin Davis. I'm not sure. I think it's a bit weird that over the years they've, they've not really done enough. You know, they haven't drafted, look, look at the, the care, for example, that Green Bay puts into its backup quarterbacks and churns through them and brought in the Sean Kaiser this year. You know, that they, they, they consider and, and want to constantly be working on a possible backup or someone who could be the heir apparent one day or something like that. And I think it's a bit weird that the Seahawks have never really gone down that. I, I wonder if it's because of the way Russell Wilson is and they want somebody who can can fit in if Wilson goes down. I don't know why they haven't just gone and found, you know, a really solid veteran backup somewhere who can fill in. Maybe it's because of cost, maybe because it's finances. Maybe they will consider that in the future if they've got a bit more cap room. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it, it just feels like, for me, it feels like Magoo is is just sort of holding a, a position on the roster until he gets cut. And, and maybe they'll put him on the practice squad. Maybe they won't. I, I just don't see how he's going to, you know, in the next three three games, get into any kind of competition with Austin Davis here. Defensively, you know, uh, Rasheem Green is a guy that was thrust into an earlier role, you know, an earlier starting role than expected. I uh, just wrote about him for field goals just before this podcast. You can check that out if you want to. Um, there's also something there on the, uh, from earlier this week by Matty Brown on the Tedrick Thompson play from the chargers last year that you were talking about. So if you were interested in that play, uh, you can check out that video, uh, video and breakdown as well on field goals. Um, but Rasheem green, you know, was 20 years old when the draft came around, turned 21 in may, um, you know, thoughts of he's, he's got a lot of potential, but there are definitely things to work on. And then Dion Jordan gets hurt. Dion Jordan may not be back for a while. And, uh, you know, some thoughts that he could be gone for a really extended period of time. 
Frank Clark has been sidelined. Um, they had to move up, you know, Barkevius Mingo and Jacob Martin. And, you know, it's really been a problem with the pass rush. And that was even before the injury to Deion Jordan and Frank Clark. Um, they were already having an issue. So if Rasheem Green could have any sort of impact as a rookie, you know, that would be a really welcome surprise. And he's gotten really high marks in training camp. K.J. Wright has said that he's one of the standout young players, along with Tedrick Thompson, uh, in camp so far. And then he has one and a half sacks against the Colts. Like I said, it was against Joe Haig and not against Anthony Costanzo. But Green had a really nice game, and there was, you know, you play up to the whatever you can play up to, regardless of the competition. And Green dominated in many ways uh, for his first game here in the NFL preseason, and uh, so you've got to feel positive about that, even if you know the the pass rush as a whole uh, still feels like it is wanting. So. Uh, you know, Rob, it's been a topic of conversation. We've talked about how the pass rush is the weakest thing going on for the Seahawks. Uh, we haven't talked a lot about Rasheem Green because, you know, we I don't know what kind of expectations either one of us could really have for the guy um, other than the fact that, hey, this might be happening and it might be happening sooner than he's ready for. But he didn't look not ready last night. Um, certainly things will be going differently in week one, if it's going against Garrett Bowles, week two against Charles Leno, and then week three against Tyron Smith. I mean, those are really good left tackles if he was asked uh, to start against them in the regular season. Um, it's a whole different ball game. But Rasheem Green, off to a nice start. Thoughts on Green and the pass rush as a whole? thought Green was fantastic. Um, really good to see. During the during the sort of the draft season, I regularly mocked him in the first round. He, he's got that talent. He only fell because of the, the the injury issues that Pete Carroll and John Schneider referenced at the at the end of the draft. Um, I, I thought he looked really good. And the, the great thing is, Kenny, it's one of my you know big things that we've talked about on the blog for for a number of years is that you know I I don't really like pass rushers in college who are just speed rushers. You know, that's one of the reasons why I didn't really like Harold Landry is that. You know, the players that just win with speed in college, when they take the next step up, everybody's bigger and faster. So it doesn't necessarily translate unless you are absolutely lightning quick. You know, most people don't end up being Von Miller at the next level. A lot of them don't have a counter, have relied on speed throughout their career. And when they can't rely on the speed anymore, they don't have anything. And, and they become one-dimensional. They become easy to defend. So to see pass rushes, what I look for in college a lot is is hand placement. And you know, can you convert speed to power? Can you jam into the chest, disengage, get around, use your hands? Have you got a counter move? Have you got? Are you thinking two steps ahead? Are you are you setting up a, a tackle? You know, are you doing two plays where you're not expecting to get the sack, but you know, on the third play you will do because you've set up the the uh, left tackle. And the thing about Green was that he wasn't just winning with speed. He wasn't just winning with power. He seemed to be thinking about what he was doing. He got great hand use. And I thought it was a really exciting start. Now, whether or not that's going to be enough to really elevate the Seahawks, I mean, you're talking about Dean Jordan there, and it's, it's disappointing because you put a, a healthy Dion Jordan, about a healthy Dion Jordan, when's the last time we saw that? Probably in Oregon. A healthy Dion Jordan, a healthy Frank Clark, and a healthy Rasheem Green on the field, and you feel pretty good about that. You know, there's still a question mark, but you feel content with that. You take Jordan off and then you're down to two guys. And yeah, Mingo's going to chip in and Martin's going to chip in and maybe Shaquem's going to chip in there, maybe Marcus Smith. But I don't think Green and Clark is enough. And it's a major issue. I wonder what they're going to do in the next couple of weeks, whether they're going to try and get somebody in, whether they want to be as aggressive as they were last year with Sheldon Richardson. I think they've kind of turned the page on that. And I, th and I think he may be more of a long game now rather than thinking we've got to, get, got to be competing, got to be going for this year. It is a good draft defensive lineman next year, but whether or not the Seahawks are going to be really high enough in the draft to go after the the top top guys and and you know the the 
that Nick Bosa is Joey Bosa's brother and I've been watching some of his stuff this week, Kenny, and I think he's going to go number one overall next year. I don't think there's any quarterback who's going to knock him off the top. Someone is going to have to emerge for that to happen and, and I just think that Nick Bosa is just unbelievable. I just don't see the Seahawks being bad enough this year to be in position to take Nick Bosa. Ed Oliver's probably the next one that you're talking about. Houston, kind of an inside-out guy, could be could develop into a three technique if he had size. I don't think they're going to be picking in the top five to get him. Um, and then once you, you start moving down the list, you wonder, are you really going to find that impact player that you're looking for? Pass rushers generally are a bit hit and miss when it comes to the draft, and there's been a lot of busts um, in pass rushing. It's it's a hard thing to to look at in college and say, this compares and this translates to the next level. It's not always the fastest guy. Joey Bose wasn't the fastest guy. It's a very difficult p- position to scout generally. So what are the Seahawks going to do? Are they going to roll with it for now? Are they going to bring in a, a stopgap? Are they going to see what cutdown day brings? Are they going to do a trade? What are they going to do? I think this is a, the most interesting thing about this team over the next couple of weeks, Kenny, is to see what their plan is at the, at the pass rush, whether they stick or whether they're going to twist. Because at the moment, great start from Rasheen Green, but I just really worry about how good this pass rush is going to be and whether it's going to be an issue for the Seahawks, especially now that that secondary is uh, is missing some of the star names from previous years. Yeah, and as far as that goes, you know, I want to talk about the secondary uh, briefly as well. You know, what we've seen and what we saw last night, but also what we've seen throughout camp and heard and all these kinds of things, you know, it still comes down to, I think that eventually Earl Thomas has to give in and he has to return. And I don't think the Seahawks are going to give in. And I think the Seahawks have most of the leverage. But I really also believe when you really look at it, it's going to be a significant difference in how the Seahawks defense responds and plays this way this year with or without Earl Thomas. Without Earl Thomas, I don't know how many wins you can really quantify to an all-pro safety. Maybe one. You know, it's so difficult. Even like a quarterback is worth a lot. And every other position, it's just not. And we've seen that over and over again. And you don't, I don't know how much you can assign to just him. But it does feel like there's going to be just a significant difference with or without Earl Thomas. And I mean, I know that feels like an obvious statement, but you know, without with Earl Thomas, without Earl Thomas, if it's Tedrick Thompson, and th- this is another thing too. That was one of the players that I, I heard a lot about. And I, it was really confusing to me to just watch people because Tedrick Thompson gets some positive reports in camp, which is great. You want Tedrick Thompson to be the future at starting free safety. That makes a lot of sense financially for the Seahawks, you know, a young player that they drafted. And it would be great if Tedrick Thompson uh, turned into a great free safety. But already people talking like, well, if Tedrick Thompson plays really well and Earl Thomas comes back, maybe Earl Thomas shouldn't even start. Earl Thomas is starting, okay? He's a Hall of Fame safety in the middle of his career. You know, maybe at this maybe in the into the second half of his career, but he's a Hall of Fame safety and he's doing just fine. And if Tedrick Thompson plays great, great. Then they have awesome depth. Maybe maybe they figure out a way to get Thompson and and Earl Thomas and Bradley McDougal all playing. I don't know, but there's no way that Earl Thomas isn't playing if he comes into the game and isn't starting. And, you know, and I think that that's going to be a huge difference as far as from the front to the back of the defense, how much of a difference it's going to have. You know, Bobby Wagner is an excellent leader, and, you know, I think he's going to be doing a great job this year with or without Thomas. Um, but, Rob, as far as, you know, seeing the secondary, how do you feel about that secondary? If it's just, you know, all of these new guys, you know, veteran Byron Maxwell, but, you know, he wasn't around for the last couple of years. Uh, but how do you feel about this secondary without Earl Thomas and how important it, would it be for him to come back? I, I think he's dumb. I think he's dumb. I don't think 
I, I disagree with you, Kenny. I don't, I don't think there's a route. I don't think Pete Carroll can seriously turn around to his team and say that we're back about being all about competition and then say to Tedrick Thompson, you're on the bench today because despite the fact that you've been working your arse off for the last two months, uh, Earl's back today and he's, and he's starting. You know, because he didn't want to. You know, I, I just don't. I, I don't think that that works. This, I think, this is different to Cam Chancellor. I, I don't think that they can. I, maybe it's different. If the first two or three weeks, Tedrick Thompson has an absolute nightmare, then it makes it easier to to make that switch. But I think the only way that it happens now is if Tedrick's terrible. And you know, I, I sincerely hope that doesn't happen. And I don't think it's going to happen. I think that Tedrick Thompson is a really good player. Wrote about him a lot going into the draft. I think that he's he's a playmaker, and I, yes, they're going to have to tweak the scheme a little bit. They might have to play two deep safeties a bit more. Probably not going to be able to play the single high like they've been able to do with Earl Thomas. But that's fine. You know, they would have had to have done that if they didn't draft Earl Thomas. I mean, they, they picked him at number fourteen, not number one. I mean, there was a decent chance that Philadelphia were going to take him at thirteen after trading up, so they were prepared not to have that great four-three runner as, as the single high safety. Um, so they're going to have to tweak something a little bit for there. But I think they're, they're prepared to do that. And I think they look at the way that Tedrick's played and he, he's got so much praise. And Bradley McDougall seems to be taking on a leadership role and Delano Hill had a decent game yesterday as well. And I, I just think they're ready to move on. And, and I think one way or another, I, I can see Earl, maybe Earl gets traded. You know, Dallas's secondary looked a bit poor against San Francisco yesterday. Um, whether he moves on that way, whether he, whether it even comes back. I mean, here's the other thing, Kenny. Do we? Does anybody really expect that Earl, Earl Thomas has got so far now? I think he's already been fined about $3 million or will be, will be expected to be fine about that. Um, to me, he just seems like he's going to do a Dwayne Brown last year, which means that he's probably going to hold out until the last possible moment during the season and then come back when he has to come back to an accrue a season. And if, if he comes back midway through the season and Tedrick Thompson's been playing every week and playing pretty well. I just don't see old Thomas coming back. I, I just don't. I, I can't see Pete Carroll benching a, a performing Tedrick Thompson for for old Thomas. And I, I think it's a real shame that it's ending this way. And th- one final point on this: I wouldn't be surprised if old Thomas does some kind of Instagram post in the next few days or publishes another article because the, the I think he, he he's losing. He is losing in the bat in the court of public opinion. He is not winning this battle. Nobody's talking about him. Nobody's bothered. People are bored of it. The bored of the. I, I sense there's a real boredom for the Earl Thomas saga, and people actually want to see Tedrick do well. And I think they want to see him. I think there's people are rooting for him to step up and take the job now. And I think people are resigned to not not having Earl Thomas. And I think they, they're not really bothered. Really, I think people have just had enough. I think a lot of people just want this thing to end one way or another, whether it means he comes back or he's traded somewhere else. And he kind of needs public opinion on his his side. He needs people sort of rallying for him. Otherwise, the Seahawks, just, they're under no pressure to do anything. And it's kind of just gone quiet ever since he did that piece um, for the Players' Tribune. it's Everyone's just like, yeah. I mean, that didn't even really resonate with anybody. It was just like, yeah, okay, Earl spoken again. You know, are you playing or not? I think that's what the fans want to know. And at the moment, he's not. So no one cares. And, and the only way that he's going to get that leverage back is if the Seahawks, I think his only card now that he can play is if one, a team loses a free safety in the first few weeks of the season and desperately need one and trades for him, and then he's willing to pay him, which I think is unlikely given he's a free agent in the offseason, or the Seahawks just have an absolute shocker of a start, and then people start clamouring and the safeties play is poor, 
and people clamour for Earl Thomas to come back. I think that's that's his only leverage play right now because I think people have just had enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I see it differently, but I also don't think that I can possibly... There's nothing that anyone can possibly say that, um, <laughs> like, matters. Like, it's just... There nobody knows, and it's we all have our just opinions based on what we think, and I think you make a really good argument, and uh, you know I just see it a little bit differently in the sense that I just think uh, it'll make more sense for him to come back and earlier, and I and I don't think that uh, any team's going to trade for him at a value that the Seahawks can find um, reasonable. So uh, I think that they would rather just you know let him come back and then walk or whatever uh, at the end of you know next year and be totally fine with that. I don't see any team trading much for a safety at a time when safeties aren't valued that highly. So, like, it, it could happen. I mean, for sure. I don't think that if Earl Thomas is traded or, you know, I think maybe his biggest play would be to retire or whatever and then, you know, try like a Marshawn Lynch and come back in a year and then just say, like, hey, look, I'm willing to play for another team. You know I'm not willing to play for you, so just trade me to them so I can play for them. Play, trade me to the Cowboys. You, you sent Lynch to the Raiders. Trade me to the Cowboys. Maybe he does something. I don't know. Uh, not an expert on contracts, that's for sure. And uh, I, I do think uh, I do think that hopefully he uh, does come back because I do think he makes the Seahawks better. And I think he'll probably make them better than Tedrick Thompson would, and that doesn't mean any offense to Tedrick Thompson. You know, he's just not Earl Thomas that we know of. Uh, if if Thompson is better for the Seahawks right now than Earl Thomas, then that is amazing news uh, for sure. So, and would be welcome. But, uh, you know, as we wrap up this episode, a, a smaller episode, Rob, uh, any final thoughts on the game as we, you know, prepare for preseason week two next week? I, I just think the, the one final thing I'd say is that I, a lot seems to have been decided already. I mean, the, I know there's, there's more open competition at the moment. I, I just feel like we kind of know who are going to be the main players in the pass rush already. Um, I, I think the offensive line seems set. I know a lot of people have been talking about Jermaine Effedi, but the injuries there, and I thought Effedi did okay you know, last night. I, I think you've got to give him a chance. I think people are too quick to write him off. So I think the offensive line set. I think the receiver battle is it seems to be being decided already with, with David Moore getting a step on Amara Darbo. It looks like Brandon Marshall's very much part of what they want to do going forward. Uh, Jerome Brown. So, you know, it almost feels like that's pretty much there, done and dusted. It, it does look as if Tedrick Thompson's going to start with Bradley McDougald and the Delano Hill and, and Alexander are not going to be able to, to get ahead of either of them now. I, I don't think Trey Flowers had a good game, but I don't think... He's 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 going to be penciled in as the starter in week one. I think that's it's pretty much set that it's going to be Maxwell and, and Griffin there. So, as much as the competition is is sort of more open this season, I also think that we have some clarity on what it's going to be. The only real question marks, I suppose, are who's going to win the kicking job because I think that Michael Dixon's going to win the punting job. He's, he's, he's punting well and is cheaper and is more long term, and they've got good club control over him. I think it's just whether it's is it going to be Myers or is it going to be Seabass who ends up being the kicker, and you know it's not the most exciting battle for the next few weeks. But uh, fingers crossed, everybody stays healthy and and it's going to play out as expected. Because I think think it's starting to take shape now that we have an idea of what this team's going to look like this year. Yeah, that's a good point, and um, I think for sure the the offensive line. I mean, if they can go all, you know, if they can go pole to pole, if they can go start to finish in this offseason with the same starting five offensive line, 
you know, and that includes, you know, basically everybody except for DJ Fluker being the offensive line for, you know, the end of last year, you know, that's that kind of continuity that, you know, most teams crave and don't have. And the Seahawks certainly haven't had it for a long time, but I think more than anything, more than Tom Cable getting fired, more than whatever, whatever, Dwayne Brown is going to make the Seahawks offensive line look a lot better. He already is. And uh, that should be, you know, the biggest thing of all, I think, is probably Dwayne Brown. And, uh, yeah, I think the Seahawks came on, come around with uh, some, some, a lot of positives in their first game against the Indianapolis Colts. Um, next week uh, they play – Rob, I don't have it in front of me. Do you know who the Seahawks play next week? Uh, that is a really good question. I, I don't. Can I just put one one other quick yeah. thing? Akeem King, I thought played oh, yeah. played well. I think he's building some momentum. There. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the roster. I, I like what I see from him. And Justin Coleman just looks really. I, I, he is looking really good. He looked good um, last season, and and already he's he's looking pretty good. And I think they're playing the Chargers next week. Yeah, it's off to sunny LA where you are, Kenny. That's correct. Hey, you got that right. Uh, Saturday, August 18th, 7 p.m., the Seahawks take on the L.A. Chargers, um, basically L.A. Uh, and, uh, you know, the aforementioned Joey Bosa will be there. The Chargers already taking a lot of those uh, injuries and bad luck that they always do every year uh, early on in the year. And so we'll see if hopefully both teams come away unscathed after next Saturday. But that means we'll probably be back next Wednesday or Thursday to talk about the Seahawks again. Uh, you can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Staten. Go to SeahawksDraftBlog.com to read his articles there. We are at Field Goals. You can go to FieldGoals.com to read there. This has been 3000 NFL Mock Draft. Uh, that's it for this episode of the show. Come back next week for a brand new draft. <laughs>